Now, just across the the street right there mm-hmm. from Douglas Cemetery was probably your favorite, I would say your favorite grave that we <laughs> My favorite grave. I know it's a kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah, when you do this enough, you, you gotta... But when I saw who it was... Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, Jen, before we jump into the podcast tonight, I'm not going to ask for any reviews. I actually want to give a couple shout-outs. Oh, cool. So I don't think we ever gave shout-outs. We had two people in our community actually visit the Walk With History gift shop and either leave a donation and make a purchase. This is a little while ago. So I wanted to give a little shout out to Eric and Jeannie, who either got a hat or left a donation on the channel. And the fun thing, we we just kind of updated and modernized the Walk With History gift shop. So the merchandise, you see when you see Jen wearing the History Nerd hats, um, that is something that we're doing now. You can find those. You can find that with the walking person, without the walking person on there. So a little bit more generic. Some t-shirts and other things like that. We have more designs coming. I'm going to try to bring some back, some talk with history stuff. But I just want to give a little shout out. And if you make a purchase on there or if you decide to visit there and, you, and something strikes your fancy and you get it, I'll actually give you a shout out on, the, on a future podcast. So thanks to Eric and Jeannie for showing some support. And we really true truly appreciate it. And if you're interested in visiting the Walk With History gift shop, you can go to walkwithhistorygiftshop.com and look at the History Nerd stuff or the Walk With History merchandise that we have. That's walkwithhistorygiftshop.com. Jen, I don't really have any sort of preamble. We're talking about the video. Sure. So we just visited Alexandria. We spent a whole weekend up in Washington, D.C. We've got a lot of great content coming out for you guys. And we hung out there for the for a good three days, and we crammed a ton of filming in. But the first place we stopped was Alexandria Cemeteries. Yes. So I had visited there when we filmed The Female Stranger. And I was just so amazed that this cemetery was kind of tucked into the center of Alexandria. In the middle of everything was the cemetery. And I found it so, again, striking that these cemeteries were very segmented yeah by religion that was interesting that's and race. that's not anything i've really seen anywhere else no so it lets you know how old school it is yeah. because here we are in alexandria this the cemetery started in 1803 mm-hmm. so right after the birth of our nation and people are very segmented by their religion yeah, what especially back then and, and even if it's protestant it's all these different protestant religions yeah. it's episcopalian methodist and then there was a national cemetery so yeah. and one of the things we throw out that's kind of fun in the beginning of the video that i i, I didn't know we we both didn't know until we got there and we were just kind of reading the signs and a lot of people commented on the video that alexander national cemetery which we visit at the end of the video was actually kind of the precursor to Arlington. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool to learn. So there really wasn't as big of a need for a national cemetery. Not at the time. At the time, you had the Revolutionary War, but the people who were killed in the Revolutionary War were killed more on the outskirts and the different skirmishes that happened outside of the city's areas. And so when the Civil War starts to happen and people are killed in the cities, mostly not from just combat, but from illness, uh, they 
ran out of places to bury them. And so they had to find national land because the the country was burying them. The country was was bearing the cost of, of the funerals. And so Alexandria was quickly filled. And that's when Meigs started to look around. He was in charge of finding national burial grounds. And he was very upset with Robert E. Lee because they were friends. And he knew he had a great location and a great home right there in D.C. And he needed land in D.C. So that was the precursor to Arlington. He started burying people at Arlington. Yeah, I just I thought that was so neat. And it was kind of fun to introduce that in the mm-hmm. beginning of the video. And we'll loop back around to it when we talk about Alexandria National Cemetery at sure. the end. But one of the first... Mm-hmm. graves that we visited I thought was actually kind of one of the most entertaining stories <laughs> because it wasn't some gruesome demise Mm-mm. but it was this character who kept trying to escape <laughs> the, the actions of the Civil War and just couldn't seem to so, so who did we visit the, at first so we went to Wilmer McLean and Wilmer McLean has the distinction of being in the same place, the same location of the first battle, serious battle of the Civil War at the first battle of Bull Run, and then the very last battle. And it was at his home that the surrender takes place. So he was a grocer in Manassas, and the battle takes place and destroys his his home and his business they actually have the cornerstone of his home at the visitor center at bull run Run. and he just wanted to get away he's like i'm gonna move three hours away in the middle of nowhere and 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 this is follow me and, and we show it on the map in the video this is a three hours by car yeah so this is a couple days right maybe sure, a week with all, if your, you're, with all your stuff mm-hmm. maybe two weeks i mean He's got a lot of stuff, right? This horse and buggy still back then. <laughs> yeah, and if I mean, you can imagine if he was a grocer and his business was destroyed, he's going to have to set up a new business somewhere else. Yeah. And so then the, the the battle comes there. Four years later, and he has a nice enough home because if you if you remember, like generals and officers are commandeering homes everywhere they go for the Civil War to set up a headquarters or a makeshift residence. So they commandeer his home to yeah. surrender. Poor, poor, poor. Wil- Wilmer McLean, poor guy. So, and, and it's funny because and like he's, he's buried in Alexandria. He's well known enough that like it actually wasn't too hard for me. I know when someone's a little bit more well known because I do the research after mm-hmm. the fact and look for pictures or, or articles or yes. things like that. And they actually call his his house out, right? The McLean House mm-hmm. at Appomattox. Yes. So so it's actually they they recognize that and they they kind of say, hey, yeah, he used to live in Manassas for when Bull Run happened moved to get away from the war and then the war finished on his doorstep and he's not far from the female stranger so i kind of point that out from our last video about theodosa burr but he's buried beside his wife and his daughter and it looks like it looks like a family plot yeah that's probably why he's in alexandria yeah it was pretty neat and then after that we went over to i think it was the presbyterian cemetery the two graves that were in there were Robert Allison Jr. and Dennis Ramsey. So yes. so who were they? First of all, you need a code to get into that cemetery. There's a low wall 
and you can get in that way. <laughs> although, although to to be fair, the sign does say it's like it's open Monday yeah. through Saturday. So if if it's open, it's not like you're allowed to go in there. You're and actually, to go in there. And we, saw, were we saw in joggers there and, and walkers. So a lot of people had that code. Uh, most most of the locals must mm, have that, that code because we saw them walking right in, and yes. we were like ah. And we kept trying to catch them, but yes. we you had already kind of worked your way around. So Robert Allison Jr. has the distinction. If you remember in the War of 1812, when D.C. is overcome by the British, right? It's, it's burned. There is fight back. There is a battle that ensues. Now, granted, D.C. is not in the hands of the British for long. It's 26 hours. There's a storm that rolls in. They call it the storm that saved D.C. Kind of sets, it's kind of a, puts out all those fires and and the British leave and they lose their General Ross pretty quickly after that. So they kind of are disheartened anyway. But one of the young men that's killed is at a landing in Alexandria area and it's called the Battle of the White House. And then that landing, they, they fire on the ships that are leaving D.C. and they actually make those ships founder. They, they hit the shoals and founder. And but one of them is killed and his name is Robert Allison Jr. And he dies on September 5th, 1814. So young man gave his life and service to his country. It's a very ornate marker that it's almost like a historic marker. Yeah. It gives his whole Yeah, and, story. It, and it's not a super well-known, like I wouldn't even call it a naval battle, but but piece of, of yeah. that. It's it's well-known enough for the history nerds over here. Yes, I was everyone like, knows the burning of DC. Everyone knows the saving of the Gilbert Stewart painting of George Washington. It's another aspect of that. So it's, it's that event. It's that story. Yeah. And then not too far from him, in fact, like almost right next to him, yeah. was De Dennis Ramsey. Dennis Ramsey. So Dennis Ramsey is Washington's pallbearer. What, what, I, I kind of had to look some stuff up to kind of understand his significance. He was the mayor of Alexander Alexandria at one point. Uh, and okay. he delivered an address to George Washington. But he also fought in the Revolutionary War. Yeah, so he he knew, it sounds like he knew George Washington was probably yeah. relatively close to him if he was a pallbearer at yes. his funeral. And George Washington had attended his mother's funeral because it was a distant relative to George Washington's mother. Okay. So they are kind of related at the same time. So that's why he's George Washington's pallbearer. It's more than just he fought in the Revolutionary War with him. He was the mayor of Alexandria. He gave some speeches with George Washington present because George Washington was very present in Alexandria. Their mothers were distantly. Okay. Related. Yeah. And th that makes more sense, especially back then. A, a lot of the people then, it's, it's not like the Americas were drastically populated. Sure. A lot of people were distantly related. Exactly. And so, I mean... And so I think it's it's all of that kind of like respect and family connection. And, and so that's why he's a pallbearer. There's a whole, there's a lot of research into the George Washington pallbearers, if you're interested, where they stood oh, really? along the coffin. So he's not, has he doesn't have like a prime location, <laughs> if you would call it that. Oh, I didn't know But he, he is one of the pallbearers. I guess for large historic figures like the first president of the United States, mm -hmm. people are going to study whatever they can. Exactly. That's interesting. <laughs> I would, I had, I kind of, I had wondered why you had picked that because I was like, what's the big deal with like, I say, yeah, that's cool. But like, what's the big deal? But I, again, for the first president of the United States, yeah. anybody that's involved in any sort of event surrounding him. Yeah, it's um, going to be an inaugural, right? He, he's got a place in history. He was there mm -hmm. at, at the funeral. He was he was carrying carrying that. Stuff. And this was kind of this video was released close to Washington's birthday, February 22nd. Yep. So it was kind of a, a highlight to yeah. kind of pinpoint him as well. Yeah. So then after that, we kind of move a little bit further, further down. 
Well, we after that, we talk a little bit about the segregation of the cemeteries. Right. So we talk about the Frederick Douglass Cemetery. And if you see it, you'll go down Wilkes Street and you'll see like a cemetery with lots of tombstones. And then you'll see to the right a more barren cemetery. This is like the the African-American cemetery. And if the cemetery was established in 18. 18- 95, but people were being buried in it probably 50 years before that. And it's not in use anymore. It's not in use anymore. There's close to 2,000 people buried there. Really? Even though you only see about 700 markers. And honestly, as a historian, that is very common for African-American cemeteries in America because most of those people were enslaved or had just bought themselves their freedom did not have the money for stone monuments like whites would have had. And so even though they're buried on the, over there, they're using a lot of wood. They're using a lot of different things that did not last the That's test. interesting. I, I actually, I, so obviously I didn't know that if you just saw my reaction. I didn't know that when we were there. That would have been interesting to try and frame, right, within mm-hmm. the context of, of a video to show, like, if they had buried them, like, any other one with a headstone and kind of the spacing and all that stuff, there's no way they would have fit 2,000, maybe 200. Yeah, and they have done grave mapping of that cemetery, which is done often when there's not a lot of tombstones to mark where people's bodies are. And it's in that mapping that 2,000 bodies, and they're not orderly and symmetrical. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and that's also very typical. If you're going to study enslaved cemeteries or free African-American cemeteries, you're going to find that kind of burial practice because of the lack of space and of the lack of resources. Yeah. Now, just across the the street right there Mm -hmm. from Douglas Cemetery was probably your favorite I would say your favorite grave that we <laughs> my favorite grave. I know it's a kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah, when you do this enough, you you gotta. But when I saw it. who it was, I was excited, and I was excited because it's it's a central character in my favorite football movie. Yeah. Remember the Titans, and we went to Julius Campbell's grave. Now we went to Julius Campbell's grave. So if if you've seen Remember the Titans, right? Primary, well. I wouldn't say the prime. The primary character is Denzel Washington, right? Sure, he's the coach. He's, coach Boone. He's the highest. He's Coach Boone, right? Mm-hmm. This these two high schools that become integrated relatively late, like you point out. Yeah, it's in the seventies, seventy one, and so you have Brown versus the Board of Education in nineteen fifty four, and you're getting civil rights in the sixties. We just talked about Loving versus Virginia. That's nineteen sixty seven, and the high school was in Alexandria. It's in Alexandria, and that's nineteen seventy one. So I want to show you guys a quick clip from that movie, and it's one of the one of the clips that that Jen and I talked yes. about. And there's there's a later one. I won't show that one here on the, on the stream, but I want to show that I want to show that clip real quickly here, so you kind of know what we're talking about if you've seen. So this this is the scene with Julius Campbell. And his and, kind of, and yeah, Bertier. Bertier, his kind of it's basically his white counterpart. Yeah, so they're both the captains of their respective football teams from the schools that integrated. And so you have the best athletic ability of both. And so everyone's looking at them for leadership. And this is the moment. I love this moment because this is the moment where you see them kind of complement each other. And then also call each other out. Call each other out. Yeah, this is this is a this is a great spot. Honesty, you want honesty? All right, honestly, I think you're nothing, nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. Not even Doc or Boone. 
Shiver push on the line every time, man. You blow right past them. I'm supposed to wear myself out for the team? What team? No. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look out for myself and I'm going to get mine. See, man, that's the worst attitude I ever heard. Attitude reflect leadership. And I just love that scene because they're both thinking they're the righteous ones. And then they both come to realize that it's bigger. It's bigger than just football. Yeah. And I actually cut that scene short, mostly just for the video, because Julius Campbell kind of calls out Bertier right there. He's like, hey, you're not telling your your fellow white players to do their piece as well. Don't tell me that I have to that I have to do my part Mm -hmm. when you're not telling that to your own to your own, yeah. to your your fellow white players. Mm-hmm. And then the, you see it kind of set in on Bertier. And so it was really neat because hearing you talk about it as I was making the video, yes. Julius Campbell was actually, like you said in the video, he was known for just kind of being a good guy. Yeah, and that's kind of, he kind of had this dual personality that he was just very rough and tough on the football field. And then off the football field, he was a very quiet, soft-spoken guy. But what happened between Campbell and Bertier is it became like best friends. And they did lead this football team to a state championship. So if you think about Virginia and football in 1971 and an integrated school going all the way to win the state championship, what happened in that is not only did the school come together because you're winning and you're champions, the city came together and and essentially the state starts to come together. So what they did through sports and athleticism is just it's it's amazing. Yeah. And so I, I said I wasn't gonna show it, but now that we're talking talking about unifier. it, I, I'm like I'm so excited about it. So I'm gonna show the, the next scene where they really click yes, on the field. It's the moment. It's, it's the, the moment the, where the, everyone sees it. This this is this is this is the moment right here. Campbell. Yeah, I love me a little contact, Petey. This is left side. Wrong side. Left side. Strong side. Left side. Strong side. Left side. Strong side. Left 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 together that left side like they need both sides right. to be strong left, and so left side and the strong side it's this it's a celebratory cheer and so everyone sees that for the first time that they're working together and that's kind of what brings the team now who knows if that's actually what happened but in essence it is what happened yeah. because they did do that the two of them together and they, they went to the state championship they went to the state champion so you have to have a winning cohesive team to win a state championship yeah. Um, that, so that. I had to celebrate Julius Campbell. He's number 81. He's buried there. He's right, like he's right on the street. Yeah. You can't miss him. And I had to celebrate his life. And just to know that was Alexandria, to know that that all took place there. Yeah. I mean, so think about it. It's like across the river from the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, even when I thought of Remember the Titans, even though I know that they went to Gettysburg, Gettysburg for the training training for camp. camp. Mm-hmm. I for some reason in my head when I thought of the movie, I think of like the Deep South, yeah. like somewhere in Mississippi or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when we're talking about it, it's like, oh my gosh, no, it was, it was right here yeah. in, in Alexandria, which is DC's Washington DC's next door neighbor. So yeah. um, that was that was really really neat. So moving on from from there, we actually went down to a couple of 
kind of old, some older graves. I mean, there is re one Revolutionary War grave. Yes. So we went to like two Confederate graves, basically, and a Revolutionary War grave. So we stop at James Mason's grave. And James Mason, you might not know the name, but he... <laughs> He was one of the early backers or would you say supporters of the Confederacy yeah. when Virginia seceded from the Union. He also he, he put his support in the Confederacy so much so that he tried to go to England to get support from the British right. to back the Confederacy. And he went on the, a ship called the Trent and the Trent was stopped by a Union ship. And they put them, he put, they put him in prison in Boston, but because the British were upset because they were coming to give them money and they were going to work out a deal. And yeah, then I mean, they, he, he was essentially like, they kind of made him like the secretary of state for the Confederacy. Yeah. It, so this became the Trent affair. Like this was a, was big, a big deal. This yeah. almost pulled England into the civil war. They would have probably backed the Confederacy side and who knows what kind of aid they could have given and who knows how it could have turned the tides of that war because they were stopped because Trent was put in because Mason was put in prison. The British didn't see the, the benefit Sure. Of joining the, so like they kind of stayed out of it. But if he would have made it over there, could have negotiated, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. But that, but he's, he's instrumental in the Trent affair and that, that is his grave there in Alexandria. So, but then we walk over to Samuel Cooper, who's super cool. There was a couple, it was a family plot. Yes. Again. So, so Mason's a family plot and Cooper's a family plot. And actually there is a connection between Mason and Cooper oh. because Samuel Cooper son who you will see the confederate samuel cooper was married to mason's sister oh, oh i didn't so, i don't think i caught that so uh, yeah i just i just read that myself yeah uh, find a grave find a grave will show you who's connected to so that's kind of they're all right there in the same family yeah so tell us a little bit about like i'll call him cooper senior okay so cooper senior has a, again a cool marker that's given you his whole bio there was the original marker that it's must have fallen ground, down ground, yeah they put it on the ground because mm -hmm. the stone's probably so old and then they created basically an, an exact replica yes but it's it's actually standing upright so you get to see the original one yes i imagine it's the original one yes and then basically like a, a more modern version like they've they've kind of fixed it up a little bit yeah so here's the samuel samuel cooper is born in 1756 he's 16 years old at the boston tea party which he attends which he's part of <laughs> at 16 years old yeah. then he's in the battle of bunker hill he's in the battle of monmouth he's in like all of these huge revolutionary war battles he's a part of them he's coming of age in 1776 he's 20 years old so he's going to all these battles of the revolutionary war fighting beside george washington it's just instrumental in winning the revolutionary war so he has a a couple stars and recognition yeah, there he, for what he did. He finished as a major yes now his was it his son or his grandson it's his son okay because I, I looked it up, so he must have had him when he was 40 years old, which okay. is not right. crazy. So his son, Samuel Cooper, who's buried right beside him, has a marker. He's the highest ranking person general in the Confederacy. 
higher than Robert E. Lee. That's cr- that's crazy. His name is also Samuel Cooper. Yeah. And he's right beside him. So then you get like a CSA star, right? So a Confederate States of Confederate States of the Army, Confederate States of America. I've seen it both ways. But a CSA star right beside. It. So it's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> now Samuel Cooper Sr. passes away in 1840. So well before the Civil War. So not there to kind of put his boot in his son's butt. And say, what are you doing? <laughs> hey there, kiddo, fighting for the wrong side. <laughs> but they're buried beside each other there, and and they're they're very close to the road. In yeah, way. and and that's the I, I guess one nice thing about the way that this cemetery is set up. It's large, mm-hmm. but there's roads kind of running between the different. Yes. kind of the very, seg- segmented cemeteries very walkable cemetery like yeah. i said a lot of people walking there yeah we see there. we saw a ton of people walking their dogs and jogging, jogging. coming through mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff so because it's right smack in the middle of the city mm-hmm. there's apartment buildings on on every side yes basically yeah so even like when we we're talking about the, the douglas cemetery right again i, I kind of like to step back and talk about the setting it was an interesting setting because there's the very formal, and we'll talk about it here in just a minute, Alex- Alexandria National Cemetery. Very formal, closed gates, white stones. You saw the, the picture of our thumbnail. And the reason I included the picture, that particular picture for the thumbnail, is I kind of liked the two different, like the dichotomy of this wall going down the middle. And there's Alexandria National Cemetery on the left. And then there's what was probably some not taking care of graves. I don't know if this was one of the colored cemeteries sure. at the time. But it was like it was stones falling over and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. And so it was two very different yeah. cemeteries, literally just divided by a wall. And so that setting amongst smack in the middle of a city with apartment buildings, and then we'll talk about Hoof's Run. And it was it was just different. It was really, really neat. Well, and I want people to understand too, with the Frederick Douglass Cemetery in particular, just because that's where they have identified the locations now does not mean buildings have not been built over where graves were. So in most old cities of America, cemeteries were on the outskirts of the city. However, as cities have grown and grow out, those graves are either relocated or not relocated and just built over. And one example, prime example, will be Memphis, Tennessee. Because the, the main cemetery in memphis tennessee some tombstones were moved the graves were not and now it's the parking lot for saint jude oh yeah you've mentioned that Mm -hmm. i remember you've mentioned that a couple times and that is pretty common you're going to see probably that a lot in new york city there have been times in new york city digging foundations or digging subways and they hit graves there was a very interesting study where they found a, a metal grave yeah, they did a whole PBS special on it. It's very interesting. Hmm. They were popular in the early 1800s. Unless a cemetery is marked, maintained, there's some kind of trust to take care of it. It can go into disrepair. And if that land is is prime urban land, you could be living over graves. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah, no, I, that that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Even though it's surprising when I hear about it, yeah. it doesn't surprise me that that happens because mm-hmm. I've I've heard of that happening before. Now, if we're moving on yes. from James Mason and Samuel Cooper mm-hmm. again, right next to those, kind of at the end of the street, 
was the much much more formal Alexandria National Cemetery. So beautiful. It was it was gorgeous. We talked a little bit about it, so you guys have heard the background. Mm-hmm. Essentially, this was the precursor to Arlington National Cemetery. Yes. I think you said it was a. St- they really kind of started using that spot when there was yellow fever that that swept through in the early 1800s. Yes, they started using. The whole cemetery, but the National Cemetery wasn't really started until the beginning of the Civil War Okay, uh, when they just had so many unknown soldiers in the first couple battles and they needed to bury them and the, the, the federal government needed to bury them. What's interesting about that, it's not a large cemetery, which is why you could probably see it. it would run out of space relatively quickly. It is beautiful. I had seen it for the first time doing the female stranger again when the wreaths were all still on the graves for Christmas. So it was just breathtaking. But one of the things we visit there is there is a marker to four gentlemen who died in the pursuit of John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. And they died of drowning crossing the Potomac. That's right. And they were civilians that worked for the quartermaster. So they weren't technically military, but they are buried in Arlington. I mean, in Alexandria National Cemetery. Yeah, we Cemetery. actually we looked that up kind of think after yes. the fact. So there's a marker to them. It's like a boulder with a bronze statue on it. And they are, the four of them are buried in Alexandria National Cemetery for their service to their country in yeah. pursuit of the assassin John booth. Wolf, John Wilkes yeah, booth. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting, right? And, and sometimes it, I'm surprised that I'm surprised because I'm I'm wandering around Virginia and DC and the East Coast and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's tied to what that other thing that we just visited. We went to Booth's house and we mm-hmm. went to or Mud's Dr. House. Dr. Mudd's house mm-hmm. and we went to this, we went to that, and oh yeah, this is the same thing as that over there. It's like well, it was all in the same area. Yeah. So because that's where a lot of American history started ha- was happening for a very long time. Sure. And when he crosses when he get leaves Ford's theater, he's going straight to he's cutting through Alexandria basically, like he's cutting down that direction. And so of course people would be pursuing from that who lived around that area another historical location is at the back of the alexandria national cemetery that, that was interesting kind of a little little bit heavier of a, of a topic yes. but it's interesting and i'm glad we covered it so hoof's run was a a, a water feature a waterway yeah, a creek or something. creek area and alexandria is a port so when enslaved ships would come in to alexandria from Middle Passage, so from Africa, they would take the enslaved off and make them bathe in Hoof's Run. And so you have women, children, and men who are bathing in Hoof's Run before they go into the slave markets. I don't like calling them slave markets, mostly like human trafficking prisons before being transferred into larger enslaved areas. Who knows how long the treks they're making, but to Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. So these are the, this is the place that they would bathe. Yeah. And it looked like there was a lot of work being done there. And I don't know if that was because, again, there's an apartment building across the street mm-hmm. or, or whatever, or if they were actually building something up over there. Cause I, I could imagine some sort of walkway tribute to that. Yeah. Cause that would be an amazing kind of just historical kind of feature around the cemetery where everybody's always walking and running. And yeah. you know, I think they are building some kind of remembrance. Yeah. Some sort of tribute or tribute something like that. Marker. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was, that was neat to see. And again, and I'll, I don't do it too much, but I like to toot my own horn. You know, I got a couple compliments on some of the videography and stuff. And it so, was good video and so just sh- showing the, showing hoofs run there and kind of like get a little bit of a feel for, what must have happened there so mm. that was it was interesting because there's not much there it's not like it's this is a river there was like very very little mm-hmm. now again this is a couple hundred years ago sure 
it was interesting that all that's happening right there and it's called out i mean you look at you look at hoof's run on google maps Mm -hmm. and it it points it out right there yes it's a known spot of history so what you get you're getting life and death hardship overcoming terrible hardship this is history yeah this is the history of a pretty significant suburb of our nation's capital it's all there in one location and that's I mean, we we don't do a ton of graveyards we do a couple but we always have enjoyed doing those kinds of videos because they're so different the history makers and the people that are buried in a cemetery and there's so much history to cover in their lives that it is just a, a pleasure like even this story you get people from every war represented and even current affairs that movies are made out of and they're all in one location and that's why cemeteries to me are always just fascinating as yeah i mean not only is it slightly easier for us to kind of film a video because it's all in one location even though half the time we're trying to hunt these things down so it's good to have kids if you're ever looking for cemeteries because you can just Cut, cut them loose. Hey, this is the name we're looking for. Go yes. run around and find it. Our youngest found McLean. Yeah, that's right. Because we could find him for a yeah. while. These interesting characters. Sometimes there, I have other kind of production and podcast and video ideas that I've always thought about doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we joke about who's the interesting character from uh, from Gettysburg that we always Dan Sickles. Yeah. So we always laugh about him, but I think he's an interesting character. I would mm-hmm. love to make a podcast series about him. Yes, we will. Or even like or w- Wilmer McLean. Wilmer. I think he's an interesting one. He's just one of those interesting characters in history who's got this. He wasn't a huge contributor, but he was just there. Yes. And just for some reason, he kept popping up on the, on the map. And I just thought that was so interesting. So that's to me are some of the things that I kind of take some joy out of for myself mm-hmm. is these interesting characters and the, the hermit that lived at Fort Norfolk for a little while. I, I thought he was really interesting yes. and, and this, that, and the other. So that that's the thing I like about finding these little interesting nuggets of history that we get to bring and share with you guys. You won't find it really otherwise unless you're really kind of out there looking. And that's what we like to do. And that's what we like to share. Thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast. And please reach out to us at our website, talkwithhistory.com. But more importantly, if you know someone else that might enjoy this podcast, please share this with them, especially if you think that today's topic would interest a friend. Shoot them a text and tell them to look up the Talk With History podcast because we rely on you, our community, to grow, and we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.